Hey everyone, my name is Josh Proctor and this is the Life on Side B podcast. On this podcast, we are going to discuss, as the name pretty much clearly states, what life as Side B LGBT Christians is really like. For those of you who don't know, Side B is a term used to refer to Christians who are LGBT, attracted to the same sex, or have gender dysphoria, yet hold a traditional view of sexuality and marriage, and therefore live according to that view. Every episode, I will be talking with different Side B Christians about different aspects of their life, faith, and experiences. My goal with this podcast is to show that being Side B is not this depressing life of self-hatred and loneliness, but rather, it can be pretty dang beautiful and amazing. Now, every season, we will be focusing on a different theme of sexuality and faith issues related to the lives of Side B Christians. This season, though, I am really excited because we are going to be looking at different ways Side B Christians live out their sexuality and find intimacy and community. I hope that through this season, you will be able to see that there are so many different ways that Side B Christians can live with joy within their faith. Today, we are talking with Dean Samuels, the one and only, about his experience in mixed orientation marriage. Now, if you've never heard of mixed orientation marriage, don't worry, it's a new term for many people. I loved getting this opportunity to talk to Dean at Revoice this year, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So with that, let's head into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Life on Side B. Uh, I am really uh, excited today to have Dean Samuels with me. Thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thank you. Excited to be here, Josh. Uh, this is going to be an interesting switch. Um, so far in the podcast, we've talked about community and belonging from the understanding of intentional community and living together, uh, just different people coming together in, in a household and just community in general. Today, we're moving to talking more specifically about mixed orientation marriages. Um, and so before we get into the nitty gritty of all of that, I want to give a little bit more background on Dean Samuels. Uh, Dean Samuels is actually a blog writer with, um, the blog, Your Other Brother, which would you like to explain a little bit of what Your Other Brother is? Yeah. So Your Other Brothers is a community that started about three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, we are all a group of guys, uh, all Christians, and, uh, we share our stories as we navigate, uh, faith, sexuality, and masculinity, and so it's just kind of a chance for us to share what we've gone through, what we're going through now, our journey, what God has done in our lives. Uh, mm -hmm. For those who have had similar stories or different stories, to come alongside of us, and uh, it, it moved from us sharing our stories to now us really leading a, a group of even hundreds of guys who come along and uh, they share their stories back on the blogs when we when we share our stories and. Uh, everything like that. We actually had just had a retreat for 44 of our uh, supporters. Ah. Uh, so 44 guys from across the U.S., actually across uh, across the world, uh, came together uh, for a weekend retreat just to kind of grow and bond together. And uh, yeah, so 
that's uh, what we do at Your Over Your Other Brothers. Just share our stories and share what God is doing in our lives. That's so that's so cool. So um, with that, then, I guess I would first like to start with, uh, as this is a side B podcast, uh, just to if you could share a little bit of how do you identify and what does it mean for you to be side B? Yeah. Uh, so I identify as queer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am pretty much 99.999% attracted to men. Uh, and then I had, from age 5 through about 15, I greatly struggled with gender dysphoria. Uh, and I still kind of bear the scars of gender dysphoria. It's not a, an active part of my life, but it's just one of those things that still greatly defines me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so queer best kind of sums up sexuality and gender identity. And for me, side B... Uh, it is, it's simply the way that I feel called to honor God. Uh, so I, I spent years studying the scriptures. I spent years praying. I spent years talking to mentors, talking to peers, talking to people from uh, on really every possible standpoint when it comes to sexuality. Uh, and time and time again, for myself personally, I always came back to uh, this believe that for me uh, a relationship with another man uh, would not be in the cards i would not pursue a sexual relationship with another guy Mm -hmm. um so it's a very it's something for me that's very personal and and with that i i tend to keep it personal knowing how much time it took me to understand it and grasp it and own it that uh, i i have friends who are side a i have friends who are side b i have friends who are Somewhere in between, I share with them all the time that I, I never pass any sort of judgment or anything like that on someone who maybe doesn't share my exact views because yeah. I understand how much it takes to wrestle with this and own this, that I'm never mm. going to call someone out and say, you're wrong because I believe this. I simply appreciate the effort that they've taken to invest and understanding this part of our lives and i mm-hmm. do my best to honor their beliefs and honor how they pursue those beliefs and how they live those out that's i love that because and it's true because i think with all of this and it goes both ways because i think more um i mean more liberal or more you know side a leaning people many times will judge more conservative leaning mm-hmm. people and conservative leaning people uh, judging more, you know, mm-hmm. liberal-leaning people. And the thing we always have to remember is that in this, we're all trying to navigate this. Yeah. And we're mm-hmm. all trying to figure it out. And then on top of that, our circumstances are different. Your <laughs> circumstances yeah. are different than my circumstances. Oh, yeah. And so, obviously, in that way, the way that we try and navigate this journey <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is is going to look different, you know? So, yeah. I think that's good. And... Um, I guess then a little bit to kind of get more into the talk Mm -hmm. is obviously a big part of your life now is being in a mixed orientation marriage. Yep. So can you explain for maybe people who don't know the term mixed Mm -hmm. orientation marriage, what, what does it mean? Yeah. Uh, pretty simplistic explanation is that a mixed orientation marriage is where, uh, the two partners do not have the same orientation. Mm-hmm. So it can look a lot of different ways. I, I think we automatically assume, well, okay, a mixed orientation marriage, so one partner is gay and the other one is straight. Yeah. But technically, mixed orientation marriages are if one person is bisexual and the other person is straight, mm. or bisexual and gay, bisexual and lesbian, pansexual and straight, mm. uh, asexual and allosexual. So it's really just about it, just when they don't have that shared 
sexuality. That's where it falls underneath the this uh, umbrella term of mixed orientation marriage. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I don't blame people for having uh, an understanding, assuming that it's just gay and straight, because uh, my first really hearing of it, like hearing of this term, came out years after. Um, years after the fall of exodus but it was still kind of tagged to that ex-gay movement Mm -hmm. terminology and i hadn't even heard it until years after exodus had ended and then suddenly i was hearing people calling it mixed orientation marriages um and i I started exploring it going well this probably is something that i'm in right now uh and realizing that it was tied a lot to them but i hadn't even heard the term myself until probably about two years ago honestly oh me too yeah me too i i had I had never heard of the term. And I mean, I guess when I heard it, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I think I really like what you said is that for me, the same way, when I heard mixed orientation marriage, my initial thought went to a straight person and a gay person together. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. It's always about just when the two orientations are not necessarily perfectly in alignment, mm-hmm. yep. which can take a variety of pictures. Um, but obviously then, you know, I don't want to brush every series. So, so could you share a little bit then of maybe of how your journey, a little of how mm-hmm. you've arrived to where you're at related to the mix, your, your marriage and mm-hmm. those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so I, I've known about my attractions to guys since I can really remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just always there. Uh, I, I don't have a like a memory of really like the first time i like oh my gosh this is but it's something i just kind of always knew yeah. um it's kind of always part of my life same thing with like my my gender dysphoria it was just kind of always present it's always been there and uh growing up I, I grew up in a very conservative household so obviously this was the worst thing that i could have imagined for my life and i sp- mm. I've spent a lot of time uh hating myself i spent a lot of time hating this part of my life uh believing that uh, God had abandoned me, that God had hatred for me, and just that I was, ne- no matter what I did, I was never going to be good enough mm-hmm. for him. And I spent a long time struggling with that. And uh, when I was 18, I-, I came to know Christ, actually understood what it meant to to be saved, understood what it meant to be covered by the grace of Jesus Christ. And I al- almost thought then, like, oh, this is what I was missing from my life. I'm saved. Now I'll be straight. Mm. And it took about two hours for me to realize that was wrong. <laughs> um, so I started kind of figuring out, okay, what does this mean then? What does it mean to be a Christian, but to be attracted to guys? Yeah. And so I spent a long time where I was like, okay, maybe I just, maybe I'm gay. Mm. Um, and then I was like, oh, no, I'm just same-sex attracted. And yeah. then I was like, maybe I'm nothing. Maybe I'm just attracted to guys. And then yeah. now I eventually got to where I was like, no, I'm queer. Like, let's just uh-huh. let's just go ahead and acknowledge what this is. Um, but I, I had always had a desire to be married mm. um, for, you know, for a while. That was marriage to a man. Um, but then as my faith started to kind of take shape and I started understanding more that I left that and I, I'm, for me, I went, okay, if I'm not going to get married to a guy, uh, then marriage is going to be out of the cards because I never pictured myself being able to marry a woman because I was never going to enter into a marriage where I did not have a sexual attraction to the other person. And I was never going to ask a woman to step into that for me and saying, Hey, 
marry me. I may not be attracted to you, but <laughs> yeah, I'll cook and clean. <laughs> uh, so I, I had no intention. So I had actually planned to be celibate, and I, I was kind of figuring out, okay, this is what life will look like being single. This is what life will look like on my own. And uh, I, what ended up happening is that uh, at some point, uh, so many years ago, uh, my best friend Lisa at the time, she and I got really close. And just through our friendship, I actually started to develop feelings for her, started to like her, started to notice her in new ways. And it wasn't like any ways that I had been attracted to women and definitely was not a way I've been attracted to guys. It was very unique Mm -hmm. how I was finding my attraction to her. And I did the smart thing, of course, and I hid it away and didn't tell anybody for months, (laughs) including her. And then finally she... She approached me saying, hey, I like you. I know that you are attracted to guys, but I just, I have to say this. I like you. And uh, I went, well, yeah, I, I like you too. Like it was the very, it was almost like second grade kids. Like I was that shy kid, I guess, again, suddenly. And so we talked about it, but we we had a conversation several months after that even. Uh, we, we, hadn't, we hadn't started dating. We were still just friends. And we had a conversation and she said, look, I just need to know what, is going to happen she goes i'm mm-hmm. glad that you like me i like you but we're either going to need to start dating or we need to place some boundaries in our relationship because we are so close she mm-hmm. goes that i can't keep liking you if there's never going to be anything else yeah and so we had a conversation i, I took some time to pray about it i asked her i said look give me two weeks i said i need to greatly consider this because i told her i said i'm have never planned to marry at all And I said, I'm never going to ask a woman to step into this. Um, And her response to that before I went away to pray about it for two weeks was, you don't have to ask me. I'm willingly stepping into this, Mm. Uh, which was incredible. And went away to pray about it for two weeks, came back, and uh, we started dating. And about 13 months later, I proposed to her. We got engaged about five months after that. And uh, we've now been married for about five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a daughter together. Um, and so we, but we moved into marriage and, uh, I still remember sitting down with our marriage counselor and, uh, I've always known that I'm not like the typical like person when it comes to just about anything. And neither <laughs> is my wife. Lisa is definitely not that way, but we, we sat down with our marriage counselor and he sat down he goes, okay, you know, why are you guys getting married? Um, and I think he was expecting like this, oh, we're so in love or I can't imagine life without them. And Lisa and I looked at each other and said, well, we believe that Christ is first in our lives. We want to pursue the plans he has for us. And we believe that right now he's calling us to step into this relationship together because whatever he has planned for us is for us to be together and not for us to be apart. Mm-hmm. And the council looked at us and went, well, that's about the th- first 30 minutes out the window. So <laughs> uh, let's move on. Um, but yeah, we, we approached it from the very get go of this is not about us. This is not about, uh, it sounds weird to say it's not about it's not that it wasn't about love or that there was no love present it's just we had something bigger in mind we had some sort of we had another goal in mind which is our if our lives are not our own individual on our on our own mm-hmm. then our lives are not our own even if we are married to each other and mm-hmm. so we're not going to pursue this for each other or for ourselves we're going to pursue this ultimately for christ mm-hmm. um and so we've done our best to always keep that mindset where um we love each other dearly but for each of us, our, our first love is will be Christ. Our second love will be our spouse. Mm. And we will strive to keep that order because without that, 
we can't properly love each other and we will struggle to love God if we are not placing him first mm-hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that, that applies to all marriages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's just something that is no matter if you're in the, the same orientation <laughs> marriage, I don't even know if that's a term, but I'm going to make it one. Um, it's like you have, if you don't place Christ before your spouse mm-hmm. and are going after your spouse for the right reasons, mm-hmm. then it's just not going to work. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there are challenges. You know, there's many, oh, yeah. I think there's many challenges that mixed orientation couples mm-hmm. face that are, are just general to couples. Yeah. But there are extra challenges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, first of all, I would love to hear about, um, I, I just want to ask you, what would you say are the biggest things you've seen that are helpful into a successful mixed orientation marriage? So if, whether that's things to do before the marriage or mm-hmm. during the marriage, but within those special nuances of a mixed mm-hmm. orientation marriage, what have you found are like really key factors for a successful mixed orientation marriage? The first one that comes to mind is a very clear, a very clear understanding of each other's sexual needs. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, the I, when we're talking about something unique to mixed orientation marriage, yeah. that's the first thing. Cause I, I was thinking, you were saying this, and I'm thinking through all these things going, no, that's any marriage. No, that's any marriage. No, that's yeah. any marriage. And so when it comes to a mixed orientation marriage, and I guess this is still any marriage, but a mixed orientation marriage, there's clear sexual needs. Uh, because because you're approaching this from two different sexualities, mm-hmm. the expectations, the desires, what is, uh, what is all, all those things, it, it can be very, very different. Um, and as well what can t- what can happen is that the one of the partners can um really kind of almost get like inside their heads mm. if they are if something does not click immediately sexually yeah. which a lot of times things don't immediately click sexually anyway, anyway. for every couple uh there's always going to be that struggle to make sure you're completely in line sexually which you'll never probably be completely in line there's going to be ebbs and flows in everyone's life but one of the things that can kind of seep in with a mixed orientation marriage is the question, is the sexual struggle, is the, or is the sexual relationship, is it not as in tune as it could be because of the different orientation mm-hmm. or because of different expectations um, mm-hmm. and desires? And it, it can that can get really sticky because... Yeah. One of them can sow a lot of doubt and sow uh, a lot of fear inside yes. the partners. The other one is just, you know, you just need to have the conversations. And so I would say that the for mixed orientation marriage, one of the big things is that clear conversation of here is what I desire sexually. Here are my needs. Here's what I want to do. Here is what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. Um and here's what helps me feel most loved and desired. Mm-hmm. Uh, that needs to be very clear in the marriage because without that you have the potential to let a lot of doubt and fear seep into each other mm-hmm. into the relationship and then you have to start rooting that out later uh if that you know if that keeps growing and as soon as there's maybe uh an issue within the sexual relationship which every couple has that every couple runs into 
runs into a snag in the sexual relationship where someone doesn't perform the way they want to or someone's not quite satisfied or something happens and suddenly there's the the question of oh my gosh did did we make a mistake by getting married Mm. did we make a mistake because i should have married someone with the same orientation or i should have married someone with my desired gender with the gender i'm primarily attracted to and if you don't have that conversation on the get-go then when those problems happen the doubt seeps in and suddenly you are having to go through and have more of those conversations and they get a lot more difficult the longer you let them sit. Yeah. So that's the first thing that's probably unique to mixed orientation marriage. That makes sense. Um, and I think the second thing would be the discussion of uh, how open will each of you be about sexuality? Mm. Uh, because there can be one partner who is, you know, very much open about their sexuality and the other partner is not very open about sexuality and so then how do you find a balance there mm-hmm. where one partner does not feel that they're too exposed by their partner sharing everything mm-hmm. but the other partner is not feeling held back or pushed into a closet so to speak mm-hmm. uh, and so having that conversation as well it's like hey how much are we going to share who do we share this with mm-hmm. uh, who knows is the is uh, will one partner be out and the other person's partner not will both partners be out mm-hmm. which if one partner's straight there's not like much to be out about i guess yeah. like yeah i'm straight yeah everyone pretty much knows congratulations, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. um you know but like still having that acknowledge that conversation of okay this is a unique situation mm-hmm. so are we going to be out and open about the fact that our marriage is mixed orientation uh, if so, what does that look like? Is it just being open in your community, but not like posting it on Facebook? I don't know that Facebook has like the little in mixed orientation marriage yet. Uh, <laughs> Who they, knows? It might be coming. <laughs> it might be coming. Who knows? Yeah. Honestly, they have complicated. So I guess, you know, there's that option. <laughs> um, but yeah, it like, you know, how open will you be about that? Because again, most couples don't have to worry about that. It's, it's mm-hmm. assumed if you see a regular heterosexual couple that they are both straight uh and they are both sexually active with each other like yeah there's that kind of assumption uh-huh. uh but if you have a couple that one partner let's say the husband comes out as asexual and the wife is still straight there's the question okay well how does that work yeah do you do you and then people are asking very invasive questions do you, do you have sex uh-huh. that's a great question <laughs> Thank you. Don't you love how people feel it's their business to get into your business? <laughs> yep. I mean, I know that's kind of what we're doing here, but at the same time. But at the same time. <laughs> it's the people like, you know, that that like are... They do it involuntary. <laughs> yeah. The neighbors who are like, so I heard. And you're uh-huh. like, oh, great. But it's the question to ask. Um, it, it's, the, it's the conversation that has to be approached, which yeah. is how open are we going to be? Single orientation marriages don't have to worry yeah. about that. Uh, mixed orientation marriages do. do have to worry about this question of how out are we going to be? Mm-hmm. And especially then if one partner starts to feel pressured or change. Mm-hmm. Let's say that they start off and both partners are fine keeping this kind of closed away. Uh, but let's say it's the wife who is bisexual. She feels the need to want to express that and be open about her sexuality and saying, mm-hmm. you know, this is something I, I am bisexual. I'm married to a man, but I am bisexual. Well, is if that's changing, that's a conversation that needs to happen because you want both spouses to be on board 
with what is going forward. Mm -hmm. And if there's that disagreement, that can cause a lot of tension. Uh, because at that point, no matter what, someone's going to constantly be in conflict about that. If the husband doesn't want his wife to be out, then she's going to feel pushed back. If the wife doesn't want to be out, but the husband wants to be open as well, then the wife yeah. could feel being like she's like being pushed she's out. Being invaded. Yeah, yeah, she's being invaded. Um, and so, yeah, you have to have that conversation, especially if things start to change, if feelings start to change. Mm -hmm. uh, and a desire to come out or a desire to maybe could even be if a couple moves to a new location and one of them says, Hey, I know we were open really at the last community. Could we not be open as much here? Mm -hmm. Again, that's a change. And that has to be approached in a conversation mm -hmm. to discuss why to discuss the feelings of each partner and discuss what is going to be the best way to resolve this and move forward. Yeah. And I guess that's where like both and not one partner and especially, but both partners have to understand the needs or the feelings of the other, because, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's important, especially if it's a straight person with a non-straight person mm -hmm. for the straight person to understand, you know, the importance of being known yeah. as a non-straight person, you mm -hmm. know, that many times straight people take, take advantage of, and they yeah. don't understand that people just assume that you're straight mm -hmm. and you don't have to come out to people. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, especially if there was a, an agreement at the beginning of the marriage that mm -hmm. this is not going to be talked about. Yep. And then the other person changes, like, you know, being yeah. able to understand even at least the patience with yep. this, your straight spouse is like, mm -hmm. okay, this is going to take time. Yeah. This is going to take adjustment or however mm -hmm. it might work. You know, it's yeah. the discussion, you know, and, and I think a lot of what you're talking about sounds like it's also based on even just that initial honesty about mm -hmm. what your sexuality is like. Yep. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I was very fortunate that I had told Lisa before we were even dating. Yeah. Um, I had come out to her, uh, gosh, more than a year before we'd even started dating, before I'd even liked her. I had sat down with her and, uh, told her, you know, about my story. I told her my sexuality, told her uh, about my wrestling with gender identity. And so she knew all this before uh -huh. we even approached the subject of dating before that was even on the table for us yeah and so it took out a lot of that concern of okay she likes me but what if she finds out about this now mm -hmm. and i was very blessed and fortunate that that was the case because yeah. that's not always the case for everyone but yeah it was that but that just kind of again we were fortunate because that just made it clear like we always have to be honest about this up front because mm -hmm. if we let any of this lag behind it's going to make it harder in the long run and we might encounter some issues or some problems or mm -hmm. just some conflict that could be very detrimental and yeah. hurtful to one or both of us. Yeah. And I, I think that's true because, you know, there's so many people that enter into mixed orientation marriages either out of, uh, because of coming out of the ex-gay movement mm -hmm. or thinking that it's going to change them yeah. or just wanting to hide yeah. and they don't, you know, they don't say anything. And so then, and then obviously finding yourself in that situation. Yep. So I guess kind of, or I would say the other one is sometimes being pressured, you know, mm -hmm. being pressured by a spiritual authority or family, family that yep. they have to be mm -hmm. married. Um, whatever the situation is, you know, people will sometimes get themselves into these, uh, in a mm -hmm. situation that it becomes even tougher than what it yeah. could, could have been. Yep. And so I guess my question is, I know there's a lot of variety of what the situation can be yeah. like, but in general, when you have someone who's in that situation where maybe there wasn't honesty going into the marriage mm -hmm. or there was pressure going into the marriage and now this couple finds themselves in that yep. situation, 
what would you what would be the advice you would give to them oh yeah that's not a... <laughs> not this is just the simple question yeah this Steve. is the simple question thank you <laughs> thank you um the 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 first thing to do is to sit down with a counselor a mentor or a very trusted pastor uh and individually share with them everything from your perspective mm-hmm. just here's what is going on my heart so if it's the person that um they are gay or same-sex attracted however they choose to identify yeah. that but they they are simply they are the ones that are not straight yeah it's best for them to go sit down with a, with a peer pastor counselor and just say here's everything i'm feeling here's why i'm feeling this tension here's why i got married here's why i didn't tell originally or here's why i've made these certain decisions and kind of get all that out uh because what you need is someone to feedback to you everything that they have heard you say Mm -hmm. to make sure it is truly what you intend and then to help you craft that because what you're going to have to do is sit down with your spouse and lay it all out there Mm -hmm. it's not a fun conversation it will not be pleasant by any stretch of the imagination but it has to be laid out there and then if you're if this is preemptive so you're you're going to your spouse to tell all this yeah. you need to give them the ability to go to their own pastor mm-hmm. or mentor or counselor and take everything you said hash it out with them and then come back and it's basically at this point one person off puts everything on the table and says you have time to process this please let me know when we can continue mm-hmm. talking about this please let me know when you are ready to respond and you start doing this where you have someone helping you craft what to say because what you don't want to do is say something you regret in the heat of the moment or have someone respond completely out of uh shock pain trauma that sort of thing you want them to be authentic in their response Mm -hmm. but not uh uncompletely unfiltered yeah uh, because that could be hurtful and so give that time for that give and take and then set up a time where you have an active conversation about this uh it can be just the two of you it could be with a mediator Mm -hmm. a trusted third party that can kind of be there to help intervene in case things get heated or to say you know you have said this husband you said this could you phrase it could we phrase it this way and then propose that to the wife. And so acting as that mediator yeah. between the two of them so they can have that conversation. Because essentially what they have to do is they have to, in some ways, go back to the beginning of the relationship. Because one spouse now knows something new about the other one. And it's like, it can be like meeting a new person. Yeah, um, I've heard that used before for when uh, someone... When a straight person, they say like someone comes out to them, they say it's almost like meeting a person for the yeah. first time. Because um, it's something so intimate yeah. about the person. Yeah, something so intimate, so core, mm-hmm. and it can be such an active part of their life that it's like, wait, I now understand you in a new way. Mm-hmm. And so you essentially have to go back and start the relationship over. But you're already married mm-hmm. and you might have all this other history going on. And so there's mm-hmm. going to be questions about that. There's going to be questions about what what was real what was authentic was there anything else that you know there's other things that happened was was were you hiding something else during that time um what was this like when you you hadn't told me yet so what was this like when you were doing all this over here when, or when we were together in this 
and you hadn't told me yet what was that like and you you have to basically go through and however long you've gone without telling them you have to relive all that history yeah um to get to a point together and then you have to figure out what it looks like to move forward in the marriage and in the relationship mm-hmm. um and you know it, it this comes down to as well like okay what are your views of divorce personally uh, what are your beliefs about that? Because that's going to play into it. Uh, a couple that has no issue with divorce, okay, well, I feel like the answer for them, they're going to kind of get to a, an answer that pretty might, quickly. Yeah. Um, for a couple that does not believe in divorce, that does not want that to be an option, they're going to maybe have it a little bit tougher because they they can feel trapped. Like, yeah. you've trapped me into something, and I have no choice now. Yeah. But to tough it out. And especially in cases where, you know, it, I think it's, it, it again, like we said, it mm-hmm. depends on the situation. But yeah. especially, I mean, if you're in a mixed orientation marriage and you're coming out and saying, hey, I have attractions to other guys, but I'm still attracted to you. Mm-hmm. That's different than coming yeah. out and saying, hey, I'm attracted to guys and I'm not I'm attracted, attracted to, to you. you. Yep. That's very different. Those are two different conversations. Yeah. And they very much are. Mm-hmm. And, and again, not saying that, like, God can work in, in all mm-hmm. situations of being able to, and not when I'm saying God can work in, in being able to bringing about restoring a marriage that mm-hmm. people can, can find a mm-hmm. place that works for them. Yep. But then that's, it's still a yep. very difficult situation, mm-hmm. conversation that is hard to have, yep. but sometimes has to happen. Yeah, well, yeah. No, it absolutely has to happen. And where you may come to in the marriage relationship is an understanding that, uh, if it's the case where the guy is saying, I have attractions to other guys, but not you, then you have to come to a point of saying, okay, well, what does our marriage look like? If there is no sexual sexual attraction between, from the husband to the wife, mm-hmm. what does it look like then moving forward? Because whether whether we like it or not, sex is an active part of marriage. And I say whether we like it or not, just because our culture and Christian culture and purity culture has weird views of sex and marriage yes. sometimes. And it's, it's very odd and bizarre um, how we like tiptoe around it, but then quietly embrace it, but then shove it in a corner. It's it's very odd. So you know, it's, it's an active part of marriage. So what does it look like then? If the yeah. husband is saying, I don't desire a sexual relationship with my wife and the wife is, but the wife is saying, I've desired, I do, I do desire this. How do you navigate that? And that's where it's going to be very individual basis, how you progress in that. And that's why, you know, I encourage bringing in, you know, mentors, counselors, pastors to be able to speak into that and to offer guidance in it, Mm -hmm. because that is something that's going to require a lot of prayer and a lot of counsel. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it, it's, it's not a fast process. It might be several years of your life. Mm-hmm. Where you figure out what does it look like for us to move forward uh, together, mm-hmm. figuring this out, what this looks like, what this means for our relationship. Yeah. Um, what does this look like moving forward for us? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's, but that's big. Um, moving the conversation a little bit into mm-hmm. another side of things. Um, you know, so that's that's the side of when you know you're in you're in a marriage mm-hmm. and all this. But then, and I'm sure that you have had experience with this. A lot of God, you know, a lot of people, maybe because of their church or something, seem to sometimes want to go after yep. mixed orientation marriages. I, and again, 
this mm-hmm. has never been a struggle for me, so I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just honest. I've never been really wanted to make orientation marriage. But for those who have, whether it's because over over expectations of yeah. what it's going to be like or somehow that it's going to save them. Yep. And I don't want to put, you know, ideas into people's mm-hmm. minds. But when people come to you and are like, you know, I want, you know, yeah. mixed orientation marriage. Like, how do you deal with that and guiding them correctly? Yeah. I, <laughs> when someone asks about entering into um, a marriage in general, mm-hmm. uh, with anyone, no matter their sexuality, I'll always ask them, you know, why do you want to be married? What's what's your driving force for it? Uh, with, so a lot of the work I do is with guys when it comes yes. to this question. And so with straight guys, it's, you know, some combination of, I've always wanted to be a father or I've always wanted to be a husband. So something like, you know, dreamy like that um and even for guys who are not straight it's a lot of times that as well but for any of the guy i'll say well what is you know what is required like what are you looking Mm -hmm. for and for the guys who are non-straight they're saying well i just want to find someone who will accept me Mm -hmm. and i'll ask them well do you do you find any girl in your life or any woman in your life sexually attractive Attractive. right now and they'll say no i'm like okay well (laughs) So the first thing, and this is the counsel I always give them, I'll be like, the first thing you have to do is if you want to get married, if you are a guy who is not straight and you want to get married, the first thing you're going to have to do is find a girl that you actually find sexually attractive. I would feel that would be important. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's kind of now for straight guys, I don't have to start there because they're usually on the opposite end where they're like, every girl is sexually attractive. There's too many. There's too many to choose from. And the ones I really like don't like me back. And I'm like, well... (laughs) That sucks. Um, let's talk about this. But yeah, for 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 the guys who are not straight, they'll they'll ask me and I'll say, "You got to find a girl you're sexually attractive to." Yeah. And they'll ask why, and I say, "Because sex is a part of marriage. It it is. It's a part yeah. of marriage. When you get married, you will be having sex. Uh-huh. And if you have no desire to have sex with your spouse, it's probably not going to go well because." You can't just go into it expecting it to happen. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. I've seen this with even some straight guys where they got married expecting there to be a, an attraction to suddenly spark mm. for their now wife. Like after marriage, yeah. then it would come. Yeah, because it especially tends to happen with guys who are like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have sex before marriage. And they get into the, the they get into the marriage, they have sex, and they go, well, I'm not really attracted to her. It's not really great. What have I done? And I'm going, yeah. well, you got married to someone that was nice and, and sweet that you got along with, which is great, but you had no sexual attraction for them. And that has to be a part of the marriage relationship. Sex is a part of it. You're going to have to be able to engage in that. Yeah. And if you can't, it's best mm-hmm. to abstain from yeah. that. And I, and I think another big point there is like engaging in sex also means more than simply doing the act yeah oh no it's it's definitely more because uh what you don't want to be is you know a sex robot or an extremely expensive dildo you don't want to you don't want to be that yes i don't know if i'm allowed to say that on this podcast it's fine (laughs) we say these things but realistically like (laughs) <laughs> that's not your role yeah you're, that's that's not what you actually are you are if you're a guy you're a husband in the marriage yeah uh, that is your role and so you will be engaging in a sexual relationship with your wife 
where it is about bringing the two of you closer together into that intimate union mm-hmm. uh, in a way that glorifies God. And yeah. so if you are just doing it out of duress, uh-huh. unfortunately, your wife is going to be able to pick up on that. And that's yeah. not going to make it as enjoyable for her yeah. if she feels like you're only doing this mm-hmm. because you have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just saying. It, it yeah. makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. And, you know, I guess then... Another question I would like to ask, because, you know, we've kind of gone over some of the the difficult parts and mm-hmm. all those things. It's just like, in your life, though, what would you say have been some of the greatest benefits and, like, and the greatest blessings that have come into your life from your marriage? Oh, it's, well, one of the biggest blessings right now, of course, is my, is my daughter. Yeah. Um, wow. That's not unique to mixed orientation marriages, but, like, no. you know, she's, of course, one of the greatest blessings I can think of. Um, I would also say there is a unique there's a unique friendship i have with my wife mm-hmm. um because she in our in my desire to love her um i not that i don't have struggles with lust yeah. but i don't have to worry about lust getting in the way of how i view her and how i serve her mm-hmm. um and so i i feel like for me like it actually makes it easier in some ways to be aware of a lot of her needs because I'm not always approaching her from what can I get out of her? But it really is more of a subservient, like what can I do to serve my wife? How can I love and care for her? And how can I meet all of her needs uh, from the physical to the spiritual, to the mental, to the emotional? How can I meet all of those needs? And I feel like I don't have that encumberment um, of that uh, by by being in a mixed orientation marriage. Um, Mm. I think it's also, it's a unique testimony. Um, It's not one that I think people should try to strive for or grasp for. Mm-hmm. I do believe it's a calling, uh, but it's a unique testimony that allows me to share my story, allows me yeah. to share our, my, my, our story, my story with my mm-hmm. wife, our story as a family. Um, it allows me uh, in some ways to take a stand for marriage uh, and say that, you know, it, marriage and it, a marriage is meant for the glorification of God. Mm-hmm. And so I have a chance to say, no, it, it's okay that even my attractions, even my sexuality, even though it's for men, I have a chance with my wife. If I'm going to say that I'm side B and I, I want to honor that to how I live, that means that with my wife, I'm honoring her in a sexual relationship. I'm honoring her in a marriage relationship properly. Mm-hmm. And so I get a chance to demonstrate that and tr- and live out an aspect of side B beliefs. Yeah. Um, I get to do that. Uh, And yeah, I mean, there's other like fun, cute things like Mm -hmm. my wife and I can both comment on the cuteness of guys together. (laughs) And uh, we both appreciate the same shows. Like we both Uh watch Project Runway and RuPaul's Drag Race and Say Us to the Dress. Did you watch the newest season of RuPaul's Drag Race? Yes, I did. Okay. I'm sorry. We're taking a detour. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, audience. (laughs) What did you think of the the ending? See, I really liked Evie Oddly. I did too. I really liked... Now, in, it was two different styles at the very end. Yes. Honestly. Because Evie Oddly, what she, what she did like with her reveal was astounding. Oh. She was so classy. And then when she did that reveal, she turned like 
I was like, okay, that is incredible. It was so just very subtle and yes. so nice. And see, that was the thing. Like you had, she was so subtle. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you had Brooklyn. Brooklyn, who is not subtle. Who was just going crazy. She was all over the place. And oh so my gosh. That's what we, that's what you had there. I know. And that's hard to judge because there, it's just two different styles yes. of drag uh, a very subtle nuanced you are drawn in and you're focused only on her oh yeah and then you have brooklyn who is like party time <laughs> and so oh i was so yeah honestly of all seasons that should have had a tie let's be honest it should have been this season that had the tie and who do you think should have been the other person Oh, it should, no, it should have been Evie and Brooklyn. Like, oh, you think been, so? Yeah, I think Evie okay. and Brooklyn. I think those two for sure. Yeah, um, I could have seen that. Like, I really honestly could. Because honestly, when when it came down to it, I was like, I don't know which way you can go. But yeah. you see, these are the things you get to share with your wife. Yes, we did. We got to sit there and watch it together. Now and yeah. we resume the conversation. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, So there, there, but there are a lot of blessings. And it's... At the, to kind of like I guess summarize like mixed orientation marriages one of the hardest things about about all of this is that when you get down to it some of the principles of it it's not it's not much that it distinguishes it from yeah. other marriages uh-huh. but we have this unique aspect and so I feel like you can do one of two things you can either go one so far one way and say it's there's no difference at all yeah and ignore the difficulties and ignore some of the challenges and some of the obstacles to overcome or you can go so far the other way and say it's completely different and we cannot treat it as such Mm. and i'm finding it's much more of a middle ground where there's there's similarities to other marriages and i i know this from talking with people who are in uh you know heterosexual marriages and that sort of thing but i also can then share some of those unique obstacles where these guys are sharing things that they struggle with and I just yeah. go, that has never once been my struggle. And exactly. I, I just kind of sit there and look at them and I'm like, what? Uh, this well, is weird. And and then I guess kind of with that, you know, um, one of the things you said was obviously that your a great, beautiful thing is, is the story and mm-hmm. the testimony of it all. And obviously some people could take that to say, oh, so you're trying yeah. to do the ex-gay thing. And mm-hmm. and obviously there's so many critics yep. of, mm-hmm. of mixed orientation marriages. And that's not even side A affirming people. No, that's side B. Side B people <laughs> yeah. who look down. Mm-hmm. I think there's two extremes. There's the extreme of side B people that hold up mixed orientation marriage as the best yeah. circumstance. Like, oh, all well, the others are great. But like, if you can accomplish a mixed orientation marriage... You've arrived. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other side of side B that's like, ah, oh, you're in a mixed orientation match? Okay, like, just get to the side and just stay quiet because we're afraid that everyone's going to think we're ex-gay yeah. because you're in there. And yep. so I I guess just kind of like, how do you respond to the critics to kind of say like, okay, no, this is not ex-gay, mm-hmm. but it's but it's still an important yeah. thing. Um. I, I like I mentioned earlier. I tell anyone who like reveres mixed orientation marriages. I tell them like this is not the testimony that should be grasped. Mm-hmm. Um, I entered this. I entered this based on a calling yeah. from God. I did not enter this in to redeem my sexuality. I did not do this to uh, make people happy. I yeah. did this because I believe that this is what God was calling myself and Lisa to do. Yeah. Um, the people that say, "Oh, it's ex-gay." No, I am. <laughs> 
trust me, still fully attracted to guys. Uh-huh. There is not a question about that. Like, yeah. and I have not, and I don't look at my sexuality as inherently sinful or as inherently bad. And I tell people that all the time. Like, I'm not, I'm not afraid to call myself queer. I'm not afraid to say that my sexuality is what it is. Mm-hmm. I actually did this uh, plug for your other brothers. There was a post I wrote that where I said my sexuality actually, I believe, is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. I believe that, like, me being queer is something that God gave me yeah. um, to draw me closer to him and to bring mm-hmm. glory to him. Yeah. And so I fully believe that this is something that God did not intend to go away, but God instead intended to stay. Mm-hmm. And so my marriage is a part of my story, but so is my sexuality, mm-hmm. so is my gender identity, so is my conversion to Christ. Exactly. Um, uh, right. There has not been an attempt to change my orientation. Um through marriage, uh, the only thing there was an attempt to do was to follow God's calling in my life mm-hmm. uh, and to honor him with every aspect of my life. Yeah. But I still yeah. fully embrace my sexuality awesome. and I'm not afraid of that. So for the people that say, oh, you're just ex-gay talk, I seriously yeah. doubt that because I know ex-gay people who do not like me. It's <laughs> very true. Um and the people who revere me, I say, please don't revere me because yeah. this is not the path that everyone should mm-hmm. take. Yeah. Uh, I think about what Jesus said in Matthew 19 about, you know, the disciples say, you know, who should get married? And Jesus mm-hmm. says, this is a difficult word, but guess what? Probably are, not everyone. Yeah, exactly. And Paul said the same thing in Corinthians. Exactly. I wish that all could be like I were mm-hmm. and give themselves over to the gospel. And there, so there, I've even told people sometimes who are single, I'm like, you have great opportunities for ministry than I have Mm -hmm. because I am married because I have this uh, part of my life where I am, I have a family that I'm caring for. And so because of that, you have more opportunities in ministry than I have. Absolutely. And I also think that it's really important what you said about like that you're not denying your sexuality. And a lot of times people think that mixed orientation marriage means that you, you're like ignoring that side of you. But I also think that that's really a sad way of looking at sexuality yeah. because that simply is saying that the only way I can express my sexuality is mm-hmm. through having sex. Yep. And it's like also I think and is like when you're in a mixed orientation marriage or any kind of relationship, mm-hmm. any marriage, any relationship, yeah. that relationship cannot be your only source of community. Nope. It and cannot like be. you express your sexuality through other relationships mm-hmm. with guys and yep. things and it doesn't have to be sexual yep. in order to be queer. <laughs> oh absolutely no i uh one of the things that my wife and i valued in general was having friends outside of each other that we could talk to that we could depend upon and that could help us because we firm, firmly believe that the only way we could be successful uh as a couple and care for each other properly was by having others who would hold us accountable yeah uh, others who would encourage us and others who would yeah be there for us yeah uh because when we have when we have problems in our marriage uh we need that encouragement from someone else that, yeah, we can keep going and we can depend on this person we've entered the marriage into mm-hmm. with, we can depend on them and they help us understand how we can approach that person and how we can continue to build, uh, build a relationship with each other. And so there's mm-hmm. other people that point us back towards yeah. each other and we have to have that. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank for you for doing all of this and for everything that you do in, in, in your ministry and, and everything. So, um, before we go, is there anything last you would like to share or that you haven't shared? I mean, I think we've, I feel like we've covered that, but is there anything else? Uh, no, go Evie Oddly. Yes, <laughs> go Evie Oddly.
Okay, so future me is interrupting past me. <laughs> I am actually here with Dean again, uh, because as we listened to the episode, I mean, we both think it went really good, but we felt that there was one thing that was missing. And so, Dean, could you explain a little bit of what you felt like we didn't cover in our talk before? Yeah, thanks, Josh. Uh, so, listening back to it, uh, I realized that while I had made mention that you know mixed orientation marriages there they include uh, asexual and allosexual partnerships, when I was make, talking about things that make mixed orientation marriages different and unique, and I talked about the sexual relationship, I didn't necessarily make enough room for the asexual experience, and I felt a little bit convicted by that uh, because that can happen a lot where different sexualities and their unique approaches to uh, sex, sexual relationships, and expressing the sexuality can often be erased or, or just be looked over. And so I want to just quickly clarify that uh, in my discussion of, you know, the that uh, there needs to be clarity in expectations and desires for a sexual relationship and that, you know, in a marriage there will be some sort of sexual expression, that that absolutely includes uh, the asexual experience because asexual individuals will still have some sort of sexual relationship within their ability within their comfortability uh nothing should be done without consent nothing should be done against someone's uh will or should be done as like a, a burden on someone but even within an asexual relationship and a marriage there will still be some most likely some sort of sexual expression that will bring the couple together that will be achieved through uh, a lot of discussion of the asexual person's uh, comfortability, of their own desires, of how they express their asexuality uh, and their partner's expectations and how they want to fulfill their partner's desires. Uh, but I'll, I just wanted to clarify that by no means was I saying that in a marriage you have to have intercourse or it's not a marriage. Uh, instead, I was just emphasizing the point that in a marriage relationship, there will be a sexual aspect to it, and that will include a wide variety of uh, approaches, a wide variety of activities. A wide, it's, a, it's a very broad relationship mm -hmm. category that will absolutely include uh, any asexual or allosexual person without any hindrance or anything like that. And that it still is an important part of the marriage relationship. So I, I wanted, I felt like I said, I felt very convicted to make sure that that was said at some point. Um, so I, as soon as I listened to the episode, I messaged Josh and said, here's the thing I'm noticing. And I, I, I wish we could go back in time to kind of say something else. And it looks like we are getting to go back in time and say something. So we are for you. <laughs> Uh, and I love that because, and first of all, I just love your humility and your heart to want to be like, hey, you know, I didn't get this part, but we want to get it right. You know, because it, it just comes back to everything that you said, even at the beginning of our talk about that mixed orientation marriages are, are not just one thing. Mm -hmm. um, there's a wide variety of orientations that can enter into a mixed orientation marriage and therefore uh a bisexual and straight mixed orientation marriage mm -hmm. is going to look different than a asexual and gay mm -hmm. mixed orientation marriage. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like whatever those might be, obviously, you know, as a side B person, every mixed orientation marriage would be a, a man and a woman, but even the two people can both have non-straight mm 
uh-huh. orientations. It just, you know, every situation is different. Uh-huh. Um, Absolutely. And so it is important to realize in that, that people on the asexual spectrum many times do enter marriages. And, and that brings in a, um, an aspect that, you know, a gay and straight, you know, mixed orientation marriage sometimes doesn't have to deal with. Absolutely. So yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you for the chance to come back in time to to speak into that. I appreciate yes, it greatly. Absolutely. So um, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks again, Dean, for doing this. I really appreciate it. You know, for everyone, if you want to learn more about mixed orientation marriages, we're going to be continuing this conversation uh, within the next few episodes. In fact, actually, our next episode, we are going to be talking to Lisa, Dean's wife. So be able to get that other side um, perspective of what is it like to be a straight person in a mixed orientation marriage, which I'm really excited about to, to be able to get her perspective. And um, also, if you want more resources, you'll be able to look at uh, the episode description. I'll put the link to Your Other Brothers, which is the blog that Dean writes with, as well as some other things and ways to get in contact um, if, if you have any more questions. So thanks again, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.